0: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in the town of Paradise, where 100 or so survivors of the 2018 campfire gathered this weekend for a march along the Skyway, the main road through town.
2: Paradise! Strong! Paradise! Strong!
0: They are survivors of California's deadliest and most destructive fire caused by equipment belonging to PG&E. And they organized this rally after KQED's recent investigation into the finances of the Fire Victim Trust. That trust is in charge of distributing billions of dollars to them and almost 70,000 other PG&E fire victims as part of a settlement with the company. But the money has come slowly. We found that in its first year, 2020, the trust spent $51 million on overhead, while just $7 million went to fire victims. Sasha Poe lost her house in Paradise and rents in Chico while she waits.
3: It's a trust that's set up for fire victims, yet
2: so many months and years down the line fire victims haven't seen much.
0: Poe says she wants more transparency into where those dollars, which come from funds for victims, are going. The vast majority of them haven't gotten anything so far. Representatives of the Fire Victim Trust have declined KQED's repeated interview requests. In a YouTube video posted this week, Trustee John Trotter acknowledged the frustration of fire victims, but also predicted more delays. We're dealing the hand we were dealt, and we're doing the best we can. We're still walking uphill on this. We're not. We're not near the top yet. We're, we're getting. We're making progress. We're getting there. The trust has picked up the pace of payments in recent weeks with $250 million distributed to date. That's still a small fraction of the $13.5 billion promised. Terry Lindsay says it's not enough. At Saturday's rally, she spoke about the trauma her family has experienced as tears ran down the face of her daughter Erica, who was seven when the fire took their home.
2: Every time she sees smoke, she cries. She can't heal until we can go home.
0: She said KQED's investigation prompted her to be there. Until that report came out, it changed my life and took me back to the day. What Lindsay wants now is the same thing many of the other 70,000 fire victims want. A place where she can envision a new future for her family. For now, they're living in a trailer while they wait. Now to some headlines out of Southern California. A man arrested in connection with a suspected anti-Semitic attack in West Hollywood last week has been released on bond. The LAPD says several people were assaulted outside a sushi restaurant last Tuesday. Police say it involved several people shouting slogans against Israel. A video that captured part of the attack shows people in a caravan waving Palestinian flags and yelling obscenities police are looking for other suspects. The incident prompted condemnation from both the police and the sheriff's departments, as well as local religious leaders. Turning to the pandemic, the L.A. Unified School District is launching a new vaccination program today with the goal of getting doses to 300,000 students over the next two weeks. Along with 19 permanent vaccination sites at schools in the district, mobile units will be spread out across L.A. County, traveling to about 250 school sites over the next 13 days. There will also be a similar program in the summer for students who miss their chance to get vaccinated during the school year. It's not your imagination. The cost of being Californian is going up. That's the key finding of a recent study by that name released by the Oakland-based nonprofit, the Insight Center. Earlier this morning, I spoke with its president, Ann Price, about her research.
4: One of the most surprising findings of our study was the fact that Black, Latinx, and Native households with no children are struggling more financially than white families with two children. That was quite astonishing. We're really seeing what's happening in the labor market for many communities of color. Unequal pay, unpaid care for children and elders, underemployment and even labor market discrimination plays a big part in why we're seeing some of the numbers that we're seeing.
0: And walk us through some of the specific numbers. I mean, we're both in the Bay Area here, and you do an extensive look in this report at the cost of child care in our region. Talk us through what you found.
4: Yes, we all know that child care is extremely expensive in the Bay Area. Child care costs are now outstripping the cost of housing, except in one of our most expensive counties like Marin County, for example, but the cost of just having a child in the Bay Area is really becoming untenable for many families. Mm -hmm. And one of the findings that we had that was also pretty alarming was the share of black families in Marin County who are striving to cover their basic expenses went from 56% in 2018 to 95%. In 2021. So, the cost of just having a child in the Bay Area is really becoming untenable for many families. In fact, having just one child nearly doubles the likelihood that a married couple will really teeter on the edge of financial precarity.
0: That was Ann Price, president of the Insight Center, on the new study titled The Cost of Being Californian Soaring Economic Inequity for People of Color. Los Angeles is mulling whether a whole new agency devoted to focusing on homelessness might be the way to address it. A group of civic leaders called the Committee for Greater LA thinks it's worth a shot. They're calling for a brand new independent entity to spearhead efforts to get Angelenos housed. But as KCRW's Anna Scott reports, it's not clear how it would work with the existing bureaucracy. When it comes to local government's
2: response to homelessness, everybody is in charge and nobody is in charge. Between the city, the county, and the L.A. Homeless Services Authority, which is supposed to coordinate between the two, strategies differ widely. In its new report, the Committee for Greater L.A. calls for creating one privately funded office to corral everyone onto the same page and new accountability around getting people off the streets. The committee includes philanthropists, nonprofit officials and academics like Rafe Sunnenshine, who runs Cal State L.A.'s Pat Brown Institute for Governmental Affairs and was brought in to author the report. He says that while improving all the various entities that currently work on homelessness is a good goal... That's a very roundabout way to get to where we need to go. It's not the shortest distance between two points, which is a straight line. What really has to happen is these existing organizations have to be aligned to a North Star, a mission and a goal as in setting clear objectives for getting people off the streets and working together on how to achieve them. But the big driver behind L.A.'s homelessness crisis is a lack of affordable housing that's built up over decades. It's not clear how more cooks in the kitchen would address that without budget or lawmaking powers. Committee members say their next step is meeting with L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti and L.A. Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, who would be two of the
0: overseers of the center. For The California Report, I'm Anna Scott. California is on track to fully reopen on June 15th. Businesses are eagerly waiting for that day, but a lot of them are struggling to hire staff they lost during the pandemic. One of those businesses is Pacino Restaurant in San Francisco's Dogpatch neighborhood. The Italian restaurant was forced to lay off dozens of employees when it first shot down last March. And while they're back open for outdoor dining and limited capacity indoors, it's been a real challenge to hire servers and hosts. The California reports Keith Miz Gucci sat down with co-owner Margarita Sagan to talk about the challenges they continue to face in running their business.
3: The biggest problem for me personally is that laying off 60-plus people back last year, it was heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, and nothing has come close in my 15 years owning a restaurant to that. So the the people the customers are amazing they're they're the backbone of of course of our existence and m- some of them we are surprised at the unreasonable expectations that were presented here and there um, they don't understand the cost I am astonished by a person a customer complaining about a cost of a pizza. Well, I have maintained for 15 years the best ingredients we can find. We have our own small farms in, in uh, Northern California and near Hillsburg. We bring to the table the best I- ingredients. We have a farmer that looks after the, those fields and brings us the best. Sharon and I wouldn't be in business if we weren't bringing the absolute best to our customers.
0: You mentioned the layoffs was one of probably the most heartbreaking things for you. Have you been able to hire back um, some of that staff, most of that staff, or did some of the people go on to other things?
3: Most of our kitchen staff is back, which, by the way, historically, you might also know that the kitchen staff is making a fraction of what the front of the house servers etc have made because there is this feudal uh, system there is nowhere else in the world where strangers compensate my employees and I have control on very little of that compensation however we cannot find front of the house workers because the majority of them have been on unemployment we have reached out to all our former employees. Some of them have been with us for five, six, seven years. And this is a good place to work, I'm telling you, because it is, because it is not because I own it. You can ask around. And none of them have come back.
1: Do you think
0: there is one specific reason? I know you mentioned the unemployment and people are unemployment. That's, well, that's some money that's still not a lot, obviously. Is there one reason why people are not coming back to restaurant work?
3: A lot of the flexibility that um, working as a waitstaff person provided is is a little bit spoiled. I want to say that kind of uh, category of workers, because in many cases, not all, but in many cases, their true passion was, I don't know, an art or Geology, I don't know what, or music. And this was paying the bills. So there was never that, yeah. that true allegiance, that true commitment. And now there is even less, there is nobody left.
0: Do you think this is kind of a turning point and people have to understand that the business of restaurants has to in some way change.
3: Small businesses are not organized. They have no power. Even the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, well, you know, they have some say and nothing changes. So if there are no changes externally by the powers that be, we're not going to change anything. You know why people work here? Because why we're still in business? Because we care.
0: That was The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi talking with the co-owner of Pacino Restaurant in San Francisco's Dogpatch neighborhood, Margarita Sagan. And that is The California Report for this Monday, May 24th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint more at paintcare.org. California Healthcare Foundation ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
0: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse,
2: golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
4: I love this place.
3: We were once seen as, like, the place to be California the land of milk and honey that's where you go to sunshine state but we just have challenges right now KQED's California
0: Report magazine new episodes drop every friday wherever you get your podcasts
2: Hi there I'm abdel Diddafath from Throughline If you're listening to this podcast you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed inspired and entertained Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today.
1: You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.